Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance, fines, and more. I receive questions all the time on the vendor process. And today I am going to share my top three frequently asked questions. And yes, they have everything to do with the W-9. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 166, three top frequently asked questions when onboarding new vendors. Yes, they all have to do with the W-9. So this is really a part two of last week's podcast, episode 165, where I talked about the three not so frequently asked questions when onboarding new vendors. Now, I get a lot of questions about onboarding vendors and two big reasons why is one, I already kind of told you about the vendor process team training pass that I have. And anyone that signs up to that annual membership or annual plan with all of their team members included in that one subscription or that one plan. But uh, every Friday I have a two hour Q&A session where I jump on a call. I sit there for two hours and it's really drop in for uh, the team members. So they'll come before, after um, conference calls on Fridays uh, and they'll ask their, their question I'll answer it. They can leave. A lot of them stick around to see what other questions might be asked. But I am on that call um, for the entire two hours. And so I get a lot of questions and I get a lot of questions related to that W-9, especially from new new team members that are joining that uh, training pass. So I get a lot of questions that way. And then I am also um, an Ask the Expert Um, person for vendor setup and maintenance through an organization called AP organization called IOFM, the Institute of Finance and Management. Actually, they also have um, AR there as well. But any questions that come to them from their members related to uh, vendor maintenance, I get those and I answer them. And so lots and lots of uh, questions come that way. And um, really the same kind of three questions always come. And so let's go ahead and jump into that. And if again, a reminder, if you want to um, hear the three not so frequently asked questions, you can uh, check out episode 165. 
All right, so the first question, and I'm realizing now that I told you two ways that I get questions in um, through my vendor team training pass Q&A session or um, through IOFM Axe the Expert. Um, but this one came from a different source. It was a LinkedIn group for accounts payable, and there was a question in there, and the group administrator contacted me to answer that because it was just right up my alley. It was related to uh, vendors. All right, so the question is, when you have a vendor that has a name with a DBA, do you use the full name or only the name after the DBA. And so the way I answered it assumed that the IRS form W-9 was submitted and on line one was uh, the legal name. And of course, you know, line two is for the DBA name. It's a disregarded entity and it should be the DBA name, but not all vendors understand what a disregarded entity is. Okay. For that matter, not all vendor team or accounts payable members know what a disregarded entity is either, but I digress. So what the vendor did is they added um, their name and legal name and then put DBA and then put their uh, DBA name, which I've seen a lot of W-9s come in that way. But what I told her, the way I answered it is one, it is a great question because it happens all the time. And then two, uh, the best practice is to add both, right? The vendor legal name needs to be recorded to match with um, the IRS uh, uh, 10 record. So you need to match the legal name with the tax ID against the IRS records and you need the legal name to do that. Um, and then the DBA needs to be recorded or added to match the invoices that typically come in the DBA name. Now, where that's added in um, her ERP or your ERP or accounting system can differ depending on what system you're using. Some systems have separate fields for the legal name and DBA, and then some systems do not. And so you end up putting the legal name DBA and then their DBA name. Like you'll put their legal name and then you put the letters DBA doing business as, and then following that you would put in um, or enter in their DBA name. And again, you want to add both because the legal name is what you'll use with your 1099s that's come around the corner if that vendor is reportable. And then the DBA name is for the accounts payable team that is posting invoices. They need to match that invoice name with, uh, with the name that's on the vendor record. So that's a great question. I get that all the time. Um, and not necessarily in that way, but it's like what to do with line one, where do you put that in your ERP, which is their legal name? And then what to do with line two, where to put that in your ERP, um, if they have filled out that field on the IRS form W-9. All right. So the second most frequently asked question, and yes, it does have to do still with the IRS W-9. Um, what if the legal name and tax ID don't match IRS records? Do I send it back? Um, and my initial response to that is absolutely yes, you do. It's not my initial response. It's really my only response, especially if you get it in, you do your IRS 10 match. It doesn't match. 
yes, you need to send that back to the vendor and you need to send it back really for two reasons. You want to make sure that that vendor is real and it's not a fraudulent vendor just trying to give you um, anything on that W-9 so they can check the box that they submitted the W-9, right? They're trying to get away with that. And so you want to make sure they are a real vendor and not a fraudulent vendor. And then two, um, especially if that vendor is reportable, if you file um, with the IRS, the 1099 tax filing, which again is coming around the corner in uh, January, and this podcast is being published on December 23rd. And so, yes, it's right around the corner. And you do not want to file with the IRS a legal name and tax ID combination that do not or does not match their records. Um, If you do, you could be subject to penalties and um, you'll get uh, a notice from the IRS on their CP2100 or CP2100A notice um, that that indicates that it doesn't match. And now you're going to have to go through that whole be notice process where you have to reach out to the vendor anyway, um, get an updated W-9. And if they don't, uh, give you uh, a W-9 in a uh, efficient manner, then there's rules around the fact that you now have to start back up withholding, which in most uh uh, county system ERPs, that's a whole nother manual process. So you want to avoid all of that. And you want to make sure that you reach back out to the vendor um, before you give them their first payment. Because by that, um, if you do it uh, before you give them their first payment, you've got more leverage. If you pay them, then especially if you're not going to uh, do business with them again for a while, you probably won't get it in time. Um, and so, or get it before you have to file. So you need to make sure that you do all of that up front. And so send it back to the vendor and let them know. Again, you know, you could be dealing with someone at the vendor, uh, at the vendor's business that don't really understand or does not really understand, if I said that in the right context, um, doesn't really understand the, how their company is structured. So they may assume that the invoices that they see that they are going to now give you, right? Cause they've done business with your, your company. They see the DBA name on it and maybe they don't know it's a DBA. Maybe, um, they, they think that's the actual legal name. And so that's how they fill out the W-9. And I know a lot of large companies out there, um, you know, I worked for a Fortune 15 company for Verizon and they had, I don't know, um, hundreds of tax I- legal name and tax ID combinations. And it's easy to get that, um, to, to mix that up. So you want to make sure you send it back and then try to get that corrected. But um, if the vendor comes back and says, yes, that is my um, that is my legal name and tax ID. You know what though? I just changed it. Um, and if that's the case, then they could be correct. And the IRS just may not have updated their records yet. Their, their 10 match records yet. And that's totally understandable, especially with the last 18 months, the IRS, I know they handled thousands or not handled, but hired thousands of new people, um, because they needed the help. Um, if you think about it, you know, they've been sending those childcare tax payments for, I don't know how long they get stimulus checks out multiple times. And so it's not um, surprising if it, um, if their uh, uh, 
tax ID, legal name combination, their 10 match records were behind, right? So um, in that case, then you want still want to go back to the vendor and you want to ask them for their IRS letter because whenever they either register or update their registration with the IRS, they will send them a letter that says, this is your legal name and this is your tax ID that we have registered with that legal name. So it's it's all on the same form. Now, if they don't have that to give it to you, you can have them reach out to the IRS and they can ask for a form 147C. And I do have the phone number for um, that they can call. And I'll put that in the description or uh, in the show notes. So um, check the show notes um, for uh, the one, the IRS number where the vendors can call and request their uh, legal name and tax ID um, that's on file with the IRS. And it's called a 147C form or letter. But once you receive that, you um, combine that with the uh the W-9 and you save that wherever you save your vendor supporting documentation. So if it's on a secure drive, um, because you can't attach it in the ERP, or if you have um, uh, the ability to attach it to the vendor record in the ERP, throw it there. Or if you have some other um, retention or record storage um, or document storage um, that you use for your vendor supporting documentation, um, save it there. The point is to save the 147C along with the W-9, and then that is your support as to why you accept it um, and set up that vendor with um, a vendor legal name and tax ID that did not match IRS records. So you have your support. All right. So the third most frequently asked questions um, for the vendor onboarding process, and again, yes, it involves the W-9, is do I really need to require the most recent version? So that answer is yes. Um, The IRS, when they issue new versions, will typically give a grace period of, I think it's six months. Um, But after that, yes, you absolutely need to require the most recent version. That being said, let me just say that when um, I was a practitioner during that you know, 10 year period, um, when I was over AP, um, collecting the W nine was a little bit, I guess I'll call it active. Um, because between 2011 and 2018, they updated or revised the W nine, um, five times if I count it right. So they had a 2011 version. And then they revised it in 2013 and then they revised it in 2014. That was a whole lot of fun, but it really wasn't. Um, And then they revised it in 2017 and then they revised it again in 2018. And currently the most recent version is October 2018. And yes, you do need to um, require the most recent version, which can be hard because once these vendors get a W-9 that is correct and they don't get a bunch of calls backs or they don't get it returned asking them to correct it, they copy it, 
they store it, they keep it because they don't want to have to go through that back and forth and back and forth trying to get the right, um, trying to get the right information on it. So they keep it, they store it. And every time somebody asks for one, they just whip it out. And so, you know, when, um, I remember when the 2013 version came out, we got the 2011, um, submitted for like years after that, because, they were just submitting what they already had on file. And not only the vendors, but it was our internal employees too, because, um, and this may be happening at your company where the internal employees that, um, especially with non-PO vendors, it's the internal employees that have the relationships with the vendors. And it may be um, in your case where the internal employee is collecting that W-9 and whatever supporting documentation you require in order to set that vendor up. And so if your vendor gives your internal employee the wrong W-9, they don't know. They are going to submit it to um, the vendor team or the accounts payable team. And then the accounts payable team is going to go back to the employee and say it's not right. And then the employee is going to go back to the vendor and say it's not right. And the vendor is going to tell the internal employee, well, what's wrong with it or it is right or something. And they're not going to like being in the middle. And so when they get through that back and forth process and they finally have a W-9 that is correct and that the accounts payable vendor team will accept, they are going to keep it. And they're not going to keep it in a, um, in a secure um, uh, folder or directory or and they're not going to attach it to the vendor record. They're going to keep it in their email. They're going to keep it in their C drive. They're going to print it off and put it on their desk. Um, and so they're not going to keep it in a secure fashion which is really bad because the, as you know, the IRS form W-9s can hold an EIN or an SSN. And if it has an SSN uh, number on it, it is really uh, sensitive personal information. And so if they're not retaining that securely, then there's going to be a problem. But my point with saying all that is, is they're going to retain that, um, that form that, you know, AP finally accepted years ago. And if there's any change, um, that requires a W-9 that they have to submit to accounts payable, they're going to grab that old one. So you're going to get old ones from, um, internal in employees the same way that you may get it from the vendors. Um, but you do need to go back to them and let them know that if it's after the um, grace period, and it definitely is now, we are in December 2021, and the last time it was updated was October 2018. So you definitely need to collect the most recent version of the uh, IRS Form W-9, and that is the October 2018. All right. So those were the three top frequently asked questions when onboarding new vendors, all having to do with the IRS form W-9. Um, if you want to hear the top three not so frequently asked questions, then um, a reminder to go back and listen to episode 165. It was the last episode. 
Now, if you would like some training for you or your team on accepting the IRS W-9, looking at examples for each tax classification, identifying when you can accept it and when you can send it back, um, I will put a link um, to a monthly training that I have on the IRS Form W-9 just from the perspective of the accounts payable vendor team. Um, I'll put a link to that. I actually do training uh, for the IRS W-9 examples on the third Wednesday of every month. And so I'll put a link to that if you'd like to sign up. There is a cost involved to it, um, but you do get a copy of the presentation PDF. And then I also have a, uh, a, a PDF that you can send to your vendors. The onus is on them to fill out that W-9 correctly, but I do have a one page uh, cheat sheet that you can send to them that also has the resources um, to let them know how to contact the IRS. And the IRS actually has a video for them um, as well as on how to fill out the W-9. So in any event, I will uh, put that uh, a link to that training uh, in the show notes if you are interested. All right. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 166th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, consider subscribing and writing the review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.